I think the public sees homelessness as, you know, the, the obvious. People you see on the sidewalk, people who are all congregating together. Um, just one simple idea when in reality we have people camping in all parts of Saratoga County. Um, we have people sleeping on sofas that are homeless and have no place to go. We have people who are displaced in motels. Um, so there's a lot of invisibility for the homeless population that I don't think people talk about. Welcome to Crossroads, the Shelters of Saratoga podcast, giving a voice to the many different challenges of homelessness in our community. Throughout our podcast series, we'll be shining a light on the perception versus the reality of homelessness in the greater Saratoga community. The issues we'll be talking about are more than a bed or a cot or a roof. The reality is that homelessness is an intricate ecosystem, including mental and physical health, public safety, food security, resource navigation, community engagement, and longer-term sustainable housing solutions. However, perhaps most important is recognizing that the majority of the challenges of the homeless in our community are invisible. We are at a crossroads where the challenges of homelessness intersect. Welcome to Crossroads, the Shelters of Saratoga podcast. I'm Dwayne Vaughn, and today I'm with... Stephanie Romeo, Associate Executive Director. Rosemary Royce, the Director of Development and Marketing. It's great to have you. This is the first episode of our podcast. To get started, today we're going to talk about the complexities of homelessness, the perception versus the reality of life on the streets. In upcoming episodes, we'll be talking with a wide range of guests who will share their experiences, perspectives, and insights. I think the intent of this podcast is that we break down uh, the barriers around what people think about homelessness based on what they see. Uh, but the issue of homelessness is very complex. There's so many topics that could be covered um, from how people become homeless to how they overcome homelessness. There's probably a dozen topics I know that we're going to want to visit through these podcasts. You know, everything from community to healthcare to the perception versus reality. There's the topics are really endless. I, I believe when it comes to homelessness, because we see them. I think the public sees homelessness as, you know, the, the obvious people you see on the sidewalk, people who are all congregating together. Um, just one simple idea when in reality, we have people camping in all parts of Saratoga County. Um, we have people sleeping on sofas that are homeless and have no place to go. We have people who are displaced in motels. Um, so there's a lot of invisibility for the homeless population that I don't think people talk about. In addition to that, the folks that we serve at our Walworth Street shelters um, are recovering from homelessness and we're trying to get them into housing. So those folks you wouldn't necessarily identify as homeless if you saw them walking down the street, which is, I think, part of the reason why the perception around homelessness is, or the optics around homelessness is someone that's dirty or disheveled, uh, you know, carrying a backpack, but that's not always true. There's folks that are working. There's folks that are sheltered that are still considered homeless and working to overcome that, that people don't realize if they were to walk by them. So I want to talk a little bit about the perception versus reality of homelessness. Some of the things that we see, and we're going to get, you know, towards the end of this podcast, we're going to talk about the invisibility factor, right? So, um, and in future episodes, we do want to talk about, uh, or we're going to have guests on that are, 
are currently homeless or currently on the streets. We're going to have people on that were previously homeless that have uh, that have been success stories that we want to make sure that their voices are heard. But when we talk about the perception of homelessness and we hear all these little tidbits of information that people used to always say, like, for example, uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And um, I think that's difficult if you don't have boots. When we talk about homelessness and where is homelessness, let's talk about Saratoga County. Let's talk about our area. Let's talk about Saratoga Springs. Well, to your point, Duane, I think a lot of people have that same idea of what homelessness looks like. And it is, you know, the individual pushing the shopping car or an area in a community where there's many individuals all camping together and and, in easy easy to see places like the sidewalk or the woodlawn garage, um, but it's far more expansive than that. I get phone calls all the time of people who are sleeping in their cars, you know, down in Clifton Park. I get referrals for our health home program of people who are sleeping out in the woods in Gansvort, out near me, where I, even me, as, you know, the associate executive director of a homeless shelter, I thought I knew where everyone was and I've gotten referrals um, for people in the woods in Gansworth where I'm like wow no way is someone camping out there Um, they're all over the county we get phone calls from people who are displaced in South Clins Falls and they're not sure what to do because they're they are not on the bus line to Saratoga and they're technically in Saratoga County but it's almost easier for them to walk over the bridge to the resources in Glens Falls and so we get calls from all over the county Um, i actually used to work with when I worked for another agency, I worked with an individual who was living in a camper in the woods in Corinth in a location you would have never found her. I almost couldn't. And we were working together. She gave me very specific instructions. um, And I had to work really hard to find where she was. Um, So I think this idea that it's easy to see and people are easy to find is a huge misconception and it leaves an entire population of invisible people. So we have children that are in school. They look like all the rest of our kids. They're smart, bright, intelligent, small people that are feeling homelessness too, but we don't see that, right? Or the community doesn't see that. And that's what we really want to point out is what does homelessness look like? We have countless other people who have gone through a divorce and lost everything. Um, We have individuals whose homes were condemned or maybe the homes that they were renting. So their landlord's uh, buildings were condemned and they had absolutely no say in the matter whatsoever. They didn't have the option to fix the the damages to the property and they were asked to leave. Um, We have individuals who had a job and were working really hard, making six figures and lost that position and, and lost everything because they couldn't pick up the pieces fast enough. I mean, anything is possible and it can happen to any single one of us. Um, my challenge to people with these misconceptions is what if it was your mom or your dad or your sister or your brother? Um, could you see how maybe it could happen to someone you know? Uh, you know, and that's a great point because when we talk about how uh, certain topics affect you personally and then you get more involved in them. So when, uh, when your niece or your nephew, your brother, or your sister becomes homeless, then all of a sudden you become invested in helping solve the problem. And that's what we want to try to get our listeners to to say, this is a big, big problem. We need everybody's investment in this, right? I agree. And the resources that are dedicated to address the problem, they prioritize people that may have um, abuse or serious mental illness, but there's many more folks out there that are just facing circumstances that Stephanie addressed, such as housing loss that was not any fault of their own. And those are folks that need to be taken care of as well. 
everyone deserves a safe place to stay and a full belly. So, you know, you bring up a good point that I'd, I'd like to shine a little light on. There's a report that was put out by United Way that I know that you're very familiar with. Um, it's called the ALICE Report, and ALICE stands for Asset Limited Income Constrained But Employed. So it's a study on the working poor that comes out every two years. The point of ALICE is that it recognizes that so many families are struggling, and while Many people feel that Saratoga is a wealthier community, which it is. It's not without its challenges. There's 6.3% of Saratoga County residents living in poverty and an additional 26% that would be considered Alice. So combined, that's 32% or a third of Saratoga County citizens that are vulnerable to housing loss or homeless and living in poverty. That's quite an astounding number for for a county that is the fastest growing in New York State and also seen as one of the wealthiest. That's a great point. I mean, you highlighted that, what, 32% are Alice or below? And there are other counties that are in the 40s and even in the 50%. Um, I believe the numbers statewide statewide in New York State is 44% of New York State's population is living um, working poor or below. So, you know, talking about more perceptions uh, versus reality with homelessness, and Stephanie, I want to bring you into this piece of the conversation, is that, uh, you know, one of the things that I've heard from people say is that people who are homeless sleep during the day in public places because they're usually intoxicated. You know, and I want to hear your view, but what I see is sometimes it could be scary to sleep at night, right? It could certainly be scary to sleep at night. Um, if they're sleeping during the day, there's a good chance they were working during the night. Um, or, were, yes, we're scared to sleep, um, didn't have a place to sleep. Not to say that, that someone couldn't be intoxicated. Um, it's more so when I see and actually we get phone calls sometimes of where can I go, what can I do? Yeah, I mean, just as some specific examples, we have individuals who have worked at the hospital and, you know, accessed our services for a place to stay. I wouldn't have known unless someone told me, but people were living in their cars and coming into work during the day. Um, So again, it's everyone among us, um, the invisible people that you don't see are finding a way to sleep somewhere safely and then go to work. And the community wants to help, but it's just not always visible. The advice that we're given is look for someone who potentially looks to be homeless or has a backpack. And, you know, we know that's not a good indicator of homelessness. You have to talk to people and find out their stories because any single person could experience homelessness. We've had people who work at the hospitals and banks and financial institutions and all these places where you don't think you're working with someone who this could possibly happen to, but it does. The invisibility factor brings up a real challenge for all of us, which is how do we quantify the number of homeless in our community? There is a metric used by government and human service agencies. It's a number, a count, that affects how resources and funding are allocated. It's called the point-in-time count. It's an important number, but not without its challenges. Point-in-time count is when um, every county divides up the county to all the agencies willing to participate, any volunteers, um, and you go out, feet on the ground, and you look for anyone who might be experiencing homelessness to get a a picture of your county of how many unhoused, unsheltered people there might be. Uh, so they sometimes give the guidance of look for backpacks, look for a certain type of people, but that's not always accurate. Those counts are important, 
because they do set the policies and funding priorities to uh, for programs like ours, including rapid rehousing assistance, which provides rental subsidy, and it also funds emergency shelters um, and the services needed by people to overcome homelessness. Saratoga, uh, the Saratoga region in January of 2023 counted roughly 300 people that were homeless. And that's um, the people that you can see, whether they were in shelter or on the streets. So there are quite a few um, and, and people that are temporarily lodged in places that we don't know or in rural areas that are hard, difficult to count. Um, it can make those counts inaccurate which also has an impact on the funding available to help those people out of homelessness. We believe the number is likely closer to 500. 500 is an astounding number, really, because I feel that a lot of people look at Saratoga and say, whoa, there's homeless in Saratoga? Yeah, okay, well, let's dive in a little bit. Oh, there's like 10 to 15 people at the Woodlawn Garage. Okay, that is not reality. Yeah, I think you, I mean, again, you're outside, you know, you're going into all areas of the county, but outside, you're not taking into consideration people who are displaced in the motels. I mean, but anyone who's paying for themselves to stay in the motel are are not technically considered homeless, but they can never get out of the situation. It's not permanent housing. Um, You don't take into consideration people who are couch surfing because they're unseen, um, but they still don't have a place of their own and, and they could be out on the streets the very next day if the person whose couch they're surfing on asks them to leave. We talk about the definition of homelessness, and I think we all sometimes have a different definition, but there's a definition that kind of guides us to a certain degree, and that's the HUD definition. Could you talk a little bit about that? We we use a lot of acronyms in this business, um, but I think it's worthwhile to explain what HUD is, which is the housing and urban development um, arm of the federal government, who... Uh, sets policies around homelessness, human services. And so when we're thinking about how difficult it is to get an accurate number, those numbers, if they're significantly lower than what reality is, that can impact the amount of services that become available to someone that does uh, fit that definition from HUD. So their funding streams typically are dedicated to people that have experienced like mental illness, substance use, their veterans as a priority, domestic violence victims also get a priority from HUD um, first and foremost. The funding goes to specific groups of people and making them visible even more invisible because the funding doesn't go to the people who don't fit in the little box that we think is homelessness, um, which only exacerbates the problem. It should be noted, too, that the state has their own policies and, and different um, agencies that, that help on the state level. The New York state government that has different policies around human service agencies that govern shelters that have funding streams to help folks. And again, I think when we're talking about specialized populations, that tends to be the priority. And it's while it's important to serve those folks... I think we're missing a whole faction of people that are that don't like Stephanie said don't fit those don't check those boxes. I know that we plan in future podcasts to talk more about community. You know, we rely on a lot of other agencies that also may be working with some of the some of the individuals that we uh, may have at the shelter. 
So we know we recognize that that's critically important, that collaboration and community also involves a lot of the other nonprofits, our, our local governments. Um, all of that plays a critical role in the success of the, of the clients that we serve. Rosemary. There is a coalition of local organizations, agencies, and advocates that falls under the umbrella of the Continuum of Care. We are part of the Continuum of Care for the Saratoga North Country, which includes Saratoga County, Warren County, Washington, and Hamilton counties. And there are several providers, uh, nonprofit agencies, and uh, government agencies that are part of our COC here that are all big players, uh, important players in helping folks experiencing homelessness. That's the Department of Social Services. Wellspring um, handles domestic violence. We've got uh, the Veterans Housing Coalition. They all do their part, and um, in particular, for subpopulations or specialized populations, special needs, where we're broader in scope, we could be serving folks that uh, check those boxes, but we try to be all things to all people. Um, But the continuum of care does set the priorities and the funding uh, for those priorities. So we um, we do follow their strategic plans very closely. We'll be back in about a minute to share more about how we hope our Crossroads podcast will help shape the conversation about homelessness in our community. Hi, I'm Rosemary Royce. I lead the marketing efforts at Shelters of Saratoga. Community is a theme we talk about a lot on our Crossroads podcast. And of course, social media is an important part of building community. No surprise, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, where we share the stories of some amazing people who have overcome challenges you cannot imagine. If you like what we're doing with Crossroads and believe in the work we do at Shelters of Saratoga, please share with your friends. Your support is important. We're back. I'm Dwayne Vaughn, Executive Director of Shelters of Saratoga, and I'm here with Rosemary Royce, who leads our development and marketing programs, and Stephanie Romeo, our Associate Executive Director. Stephanie, let's talk about the value and the challenges of building trust and relationships with our guests. The majority of folks, when they get to us, have felt like everyone else turned their backs on them. They have no one, uh, little to no trust with anyone else in the community at that point. Um, Most of their services have probably fallen by the wayside because if they're, whether they're new into homelessness or they've, you know, been experiencing chronic homelessness, um, they tend to fall out of line with the rest of their services because it stops being a priority because it's fight or flight. They are just trying to survive at that point. Um, so we slowly build trust in the relationship back. We show that there's someone that still cares about them and they can have a second chance here. We've worked so hard on creating a culture that is very welcoming. When we think about how hard is it for somebody to say, I need to go to shelter, is that a real struggle for some people that says, I got to go ask for help. Some people don't want to ask for help. Personally, that I grew up with a strong support and family system, um, that is not there for a lot of people. When you hear shelter initially, even um, for someone experiencing homelessness has nowhere else to go, the idea of a shelter is stigmatized. Everyone thinks shelters are, you know, drugs and alcohol and violence everywhere and people stealing things and um, all these stigmatized ideas of a shelter. And when they get to the shelter, they're like, oh, it's a house. And we're like, yeah, it's just a house. And people are like, well, I expected a big wide open space with everyone crowded in together. So I think that there's a lot of misconceptions around what homelessness really is derived from. And 
number one, it's economics. So when somebody does cross that threshold into SOS, they're already, the odds are stacked against them. And I think the fear that comes along with that for someone that we serve is fairly traumatizing. So when they do walk into a place like Shelters of Saratoga's Walworth Shelters, it's comforting, right? Because they don't have access to food. They don't have a place, a safe place to live. All of those things can be traumatizing. There's a reason why they got there. Sure. So if we talk about some of the the perception versus reality of homelessness, right? There's uh, the perception that all homeless uh, individuals don't want to work. Some people can't work. Um, In addition to some people can't work, some people were working and the cost of living has gone up astronomically and now they can't afford their life anymore, even if their life wasn't even expensive. Rosemary said, I think before is, you know, sometimes there's the medical conditions that force you out of work and now you can't work and you have no means to pay for your bills. Um, I mean, any number of circumstances, I think all the time, you know, if you don't have a, a family, if you don't have a strong family, maybe you've lost parents, lost siblings, whatever, and you have no one to fall back on, if something bad happens, it could be any single one of us. Survival for someone experiencing homelessness requires a constant search uh, for the basics of life, including food, shelter, um, a source of income. Um, how hard is it for somebody to get a job when they possibly don't have ID or if they don't have an address, right? Those are huge, huge barriers for them to be able to climb out of homelessness. Uh, You know, falling off the cliff um, is easier than climbing up the walls of the cliff. And sometimes that mountain is generational when it comes to poverty, and that is extremely hard to overcome. I think it's 30% of folks that are experiencing generational poverty, um, can only incrementally improve their economic situation. I know we go back to this, that strong community, that strong sense of support from folks around you is so critical to keeping people um, afloat. You really need like role modeling at that point. But if you're, you've experienced generational poverty, you've already only been taught to live in the now. And so it, if you're living in the now and meeting your immediate needs and you know you get a dollar but you immediately spend it because that's what you've been taught to do, then how do you ever break that cycle because you never had a role model to teach you otherwise? So the barriers that they experience, that individuals experience when, they're, uh, when individuals become homeless, uh, let's talk a little bit more about that. I think it's a common misconception to, kind of like Rosemary said, to believe what you see, so to speak. Um, but it's not the case. We have individuals who come to the emergency shelter um, who have just experienced a divorce and they lost everything. Um, we've had people, you know, struggle with mental health, struggle with substance use, um, lose family members, and so they lost their home. We've had individuals whose home were condemned because their job, they just didn't make enough to be able to pay to fix all the damages to their property, but they had enough to pay all of their bills. And these unexpected circumstances arise um, that force individuals out of their homes and into homelessness, completely unexpected that could happen to anyone. So uh, it's it doesn't come to down to a choice that people don't choose to be homeless. However, they do have to make certain choices that they may have to give up. And one of those choices may be their housing, correct? Correct. And part of what we do at Shelters of Saratoga is to help educate people to make positive choices for themselves, um, not just because they're told to, but because they actually want to and and want a a more positive outcome for themselves. Homelessness um, is not a new 
situation, right? Uh, but it has evolved over the years, and especially locally, I think more recently has become a polarized a polarized topic uh, that sometimes folks forget that there's a human involved in. Um, and so sometimes there's also factors that are above, beyond their control and why they've come to homelessness. And some of those topics that we're going to cover in future episodes include you know, socioeconomic factors such as the housing crisis that we're currently in, uh, deinstitutionalization that happened in the 90s, and how, uh, you know, accessing mental health care has become a challenge and has exacerbated folks uh, living, you know, having unstable housing. Contributive factors to homelessness would be, um, I mean, affordable housing for one um even people who are working can't afford to live in saratoga springs so affordable housing uh for somebody who is struggling coming out of homelessness they get a job right they're working they could be at sos shelters and they're working maybe they're working a minimum wage job maybe they're working full-time hours now the chore comes to finding them affordable housing usually outside of the city limits and then their transportation becomes more and more sparse and then they can't get to that job anymore and eventually they lose the housing um or if they lose that job that maybe was on the bus line they now can't find another job because that was maybe one of the only opportunities to work on the bus line to where they were able to find affordable housing sure so there we have identified a barrier there right transportation big big barrier uh child care right um a family that uh, it's hard to work when if you have uh, one child in school, maybe one child that is still home with you, and how can they work and afford daycare, right? Huge, huge barrier that, that we see. Healthcare is also, um, you know, an injury or a health event someone experiences can uh, send someone into a spiral that, you know, where they lose their job because they can't work and then they lose you know the next step is they lose their housing Mm -hmm. so on that side of things you know that uh, making sure that people stay healthy is critical to give an example um you know an accident could be we we've had a guest that was literally hit by a car and was unable to work after that but um that caused him to not be able to work and therefore he needed more services and able to be housed any one of us is at risk of being hit by a car and that could render you unable to work and and who knows where your life would end up right and there is a new study that two-thirds of americans are living paycheck to paycheck in our programs such as social security disability insurance are not enough to live on not even close i challenge anyone to come up with a budget where they think they could live in saratoga springs for you know under 850 dollars a month well just for the two years um, in between the onset of covid and 2023 so we're talking march of 21 through march of 23 inflation outpaced wage growth that's a huge problem and more current and then coupled with the housing crisis, we're, we're not nearly out of the water yet. So when we're trying to make an impact and reduce homelessness, we've got hundreds more behind the ones that we're working with now that are facing that same vulnerability that could need our services. 50% of individuals experiencing 
experiencing homelessness for the first time have some form of trauma in their history. And after a year of homelessness, a hundred percent of people have a history of trauma because of the homelessness. When it comes to trauma, there's a, a million different things that could be perceived as trauma. And really it's all relative too, because what is traumatic to one person might not be traumatic to another. Uh, yes. Um, I mean, sleeping outside in and of itself is traumatic. Um, sleeping in the woods in and of itself is traumatic offer some form of stability and discipline because the majority of people we find are have experienced so much trauma and so much fight or flight that they need some kind of structure in their lives and and truly appreciate that right i guess the goal you know when we have people come that they see it's a house and then the next goal of course is to show them that it's a home with a family right Rosemary, I want to close with something we touched on earlier, which is the impact healthcare has on individuals and families facing homelessness in an episode we had planned. There's a critical interplay between health and homelessness that I know we're going to dive into in future episodes because it's quite a broad topic um, and it's a two-way street is what we've found. There's the person experiencing homelessness that could have a health event uh, that has uh, challenges accessing health care and then there's the health care system that is overstressed by folks using the emergency department for things like routine care. Um, and there's, I want to talk about access to health care briefly and just mentioned that uh, there's a wonderful doctor in Boston who is really boots on the ground. His name is Dr. Jim O'Connell. And we're going to be talking with a Pulitzer Prize winning author and New York Times bestseller, Tracy Kidder, who followed Dr. Jim around Boston on his uh, route in providing health care on the streets to folks that were facing many challenges in accessing those health care systems. And it's a wonderful book. It's called Rough Sleepers, and we're excited to welcome him on a future podcast to talk with us about uh, Dr. Jim's important work and sort of how that segues into um, homelessness and recovering from homelessness and some of the challenges that people face. We, we plan to have some guests on that are going to be able to cover a few topics that we're going to more focus on. You know, we may uh, dive into sense of community, navigating the homeless uh, services. Um, like you said, uh, having Tracy Kidder on is going to be amazing. Uh, panhandling, sharing stories of individuals on the street, which I think is critically important to explaining the depths of homelessness. Uh, the changes in the bureaucracy of, uh, of everything from grants and how we get the money to do the work uh, that we need to do. I want to thank Stephanie and Rosemary for helping me uh, start the conversation. We'll be inviting community leaders, thought leaders, people with important perspective to share with you about the complex world of our homeless community. I'm Dwayne Vaughn, and this is Crossroads, the Shelter of Saratoga podcast. Crossroads is produced by Shelters of Saratoga, a nonprofit human services agency serving the greater Saratoga area. Our mission is to transform the lives of our neighbors facing homelessness with support services, safe shelter, and a path to independence. Your support keeps our mission alive. Find out more about how you can help at sheltersofsaratoga.org.